I'm Christian, and welcome to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast, a show where we talk about effective collaboration, influence, and leadership in an increasingly complex world. My interview partner is Dr. Dirk Schlimm. Dirk is an international leadership expert and the author of Influencing Powerful People. The purpose of this podcast is to share ideas and stimulate discussion, and it does not constitute professional advice of any kind. If such advice is needed, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The speakers, hosts, and Gemar International Incorporated are not to be held responsible for any use, misuse, or reuse of the content. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Gemar Leadership Podcast. Today we're talking about the flat organization structure. This topic has made its way back into the headlines as economic headwinds are making and taking many organizations back to emphasizing strategic focus, operational efficiency, and organizational simplicity. A flat organization, uh, so the expectation is, cuts down on hierarchy, speeds up decision-making, and saves costs. Dirk, what do we make of that? Is this the time of the flat organization? Yes, Christian. Uh, talking about the flat organization has become more fashionable again, and the uh, seizes in many uh, corporate announcements, uh, in fact. And and by and large, it sounds like a very good idea. Of course, I mean, who would seriously say that they want more hierarchy, more bureaucracy, or more complexity? Um, but like so often with management concepts, the ideas are not new, and and so the idea of a flat organization also is not new. It has been around for some time and uh, uh, has uh, appeared in different variation. And so it's running from somewhat flat to uh, radically uh, flat and and everything, uh, everything in between. And, you know, if our listeners remember our friend Bartleby uh, from The uh, Economist magazine, uh, Bartleby actually has a very nice column in which he talks about organizations that uh, he calls flat as a as a pancake and and uh, why they exist and and what can go wrong with them. Flat as a pancake. I like that. But let's get into it. What does organizational flatness actually look like in real life? Yeah, Christian, that's that's a good question because the term actually means different things to uh, to different people. Right. So, Dirk, let's dive in. What what are these different things that can mean? Yeah, um, I think when when most people talk about flattening the organization today, they are talking about taking out management layers. So they are looking at how many management levels uh, there are between, say, a frontline employee and the CEO. So the frontline employee may report to a team leader who, who then reports to a manager, who then reports to uh, a vice president. So that would be three layer, layers between the the frontline person and the, the CEO, which which really doesn't sound too, too bad. But then you could have an organization, senior managers and directors who are between the manager uh, and the vice president and maybe the assistant vice presidents or vice presidents, senior vice presidents, executives, uh, vice presidents, and probably more like group presidents. Um, and all of those uh, positions and layers are on your way to uh, the CEO. And then, of course, there is the proliferation of of the, the CXO, that's a term people sometimes use now. That's everything from the chief financial officer, the chief revenue officer, the chief customer officer, the chief people officer, procurement, sustainability officer, and, and so a whole uh, assortment of, 
of chief something um, officers that you now find in find in organizations. Wow. So that sounds like a lot of layers. And as I'm imagining it, it sounds like a, a whole stack of pancakes going up and up and up. So rather than one nice flat pancake, we got a stack here. Is that what we're dealing with? Exactly. And, and, uh, uh, but, but this is only one sense of the meaning of flat and organization. And, and we'll, we'll come, we'll come back, uh, back, to that, uh, back to that. But, and it's true, or most, at least most radical sense, that the, the, the pioneers of the flat organization, they wanted something else. They really want to take out the boss. They want to take the boss out of the organization altogether, not just have fewer, uh, fewer of them. Wow, no bosses. That sounds very interesting. Do these organizations without bosses actually exist, Dirk? Yeah, there may not be uh there may not be organization without uh bosses altogether, but there are certain organizations that have the term flat organization to mean that companies operate by and large without internal hierarchy and so without any bosses or uh, managers and so these are companies like WL Gore, the the makers of of Gore-Tex. You may may know that name, or, or Zappos Shoes, uh, which is an online uh, shoe retailer. And at some point, and maybe most famously, a company called Semco Partners, and that's a, a Brazilian company uh, led by Ricardo Semler. Okay, Dirk, Ricardo Semler. You said most famously. I'll have to admit, I don't know who that is. So maybe you could fill us in. Yeah, so Ricardo Semler uh, took over the uh, ailing family business from from his father, and and he credits the uh, transformation into a bossless organization into getting uh, the company uh, going again. And and Semler wrote a book called uh, The Maverick, uh, and he became the champion on what he he calls a radical employee uh, friendly philosophy, and he has a few TED talks out so you can check these out and and so so in this sense in similar sense uh, the the flat organization is really about a philosophical and an alternative approach to management not just a bit more uh, uh efficiency and and just as an as an aside so Samuel's book uh was required reading in an organization uh that i worked in uh, at, at that time and that organization was was uh, quite hierarchical, but the CEO at the time loved the idea, uh, and and it really shows that there is a lot of appeal here. And and Samler is is a very gifted communicator, and and so he's a good champion of his his maverick uh, his maverick ideas. Wow, Dirk, I love maverick ideas. I love things described as radical philosophy. But that leads us to the question, and it sounds like you've read the book. So does this actually work? Yeah. So, well, uh, Ricardo Semler says it worked for him, uh, and it worked at 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 Semco, and and he said, in, in fact, again, he he said it, it saved the family company, and is very uh, um, um, passionate about this. Um, and I do agree that that the the these ideas are at least at some level quite useful, and and they have they found their way uh, into the mainstream. So uh, things like a culture where instructions from the boss can be challenged. So people working for the boss said, "Hey, why are we doing this?" Or where the top managers involve people in the strategy process rather than thinking they're the ones with the with the big pictures, they see the value of including the perspectives from people who are close to the customers, or people who execute uh, the strategy that they're um, that they're dreaming up, so to speak. 
Um, and and then also uh, it can be a good idea that before we embark on a big change initiative, we consult with the people who will be uh, affected, so so that possibly we can uh, adjust or make the change initiative uh, work better, uh, because this helps us think through, and we we can understand the inevitable drawbacks ahead of time, or we can mitigate unintended consequences. So, so there are a lot of uh, ways where you can see Sampler's ideas um, at work. All right, Dirk, thanks for that. That sounds pretty good to me. So we're talking about inclusive management here and getting people involved. But that's still just hearing how you described it sounds to be a bit of a far cry from bossless management. So my question is, can bossless management actually work? Yeah, I realize, Christian, you're, you're you're pinning me down here, and and it appears at least that companies like Semco, uh, Gore, and Zappos, uh, it actually has worked uh, for them, or it has worked for them uh, at a time. And I know that uh, quite a few companies have tried to emulate the practices of these uh, companies. For example, Zappos actually offered seminars to. Uh, managers from other companies or, or other industries, how to not have uh, uh, managers anymore. And 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 just this morning, uh, I read in the Wall Street Journal that there actually is a is a lawsuit uh, over Zappos founder Tony Shea's uh, workplace workplace happiness brand, which is called Delivering uh, Happiness. And and actually, Shea himself, the the founder of Zappos, uh, passed away tragically uh, in in an accident. But but this new lawsuit just shows how his brand has endured and how appealing his ideas uh, remain. But but then also things can can change. And, and so Chase Company's uh, Zappos has been acquired by Amazon. And from what I read, they have pulled back uh, a bit from the founder's uh, workplace um, ideas. But but this may not even be uh, so much the point. And so, so my view would be that a, a system or a philosophy like this is always as good and only as good as the people who are running it and how well it allows them or helps the company respond uh, well to the demands of, of, of the market. And, and I think we really must remember that the market is a the market is a very powerful force. And as a business, you really cannot go against the market. And so I think much will depends on the stage of the company, the people involved there. Their goals to want a small business, to want a big business, the industry, market conditions, and and so on. But but ultimately, um, it does show the tremendous uh, appeal of of this idea, elusive or real, the I idea of a successful business that is made up of people who enjoy their work at at their company. Right, Dirk. That does sound like a really interesting idea. But here at the Gemar Leadership Podcast, we're about getting practical, and part of that is bringing in your experience, Dirk. So let me ask you this. Have you encountered these ideas that sound good on paper in action? Can you give us an example from your experience if you've seen this or how it might have played out? Yeah, uh, Christian, sure. And so, so for example, I have worked with a team that was a, uh, a small collegial, no egos kind of team, very committed to the success of the team and the company, was very much in startup mode. And so in that team, we had a very good way of working constructively through our through our differences. And so that was actually much more like working with a group of friends, uh, people who respected each other, was a very rewarding way to work and also to, to achieve 
performance. And again, if everyone is a team player, if everybody is motiv motivated to win, everybody's uh, putting the team first and so on, it works uh, really, really well. But I've also worked with a team uh, in an organization that had very strong uh, bossless uh, tendencies, uh, but it didn't work out nearly uh, as well because there were people there who liked the bossless part of it, but they were not willing to put the organization first. They were not at all good at managing conflict. And so they actually needed a boss and they didn't want one. And so um, I would say that a bossless organization is uh, a recipe for disaster if people do not get along and are not willing to take one for the team as, as the saying goes. And, and so working well in a bossless organization and delivering results is actually a lot harder uh, than, than one may, may, may think. You, you need great subject matter skills, you need great people skills, you need a high level of commitment to the team and a high level of commitment to the organization and its uh, purpose and you need that throughout the the organization so so in the end i would think it is very important that there is someone who is in charge someone who can end the debate and make a decision and i actually believe that managers do have a very important role and we really should not underestimate what a good boss can accomplish um, for the company and 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 for their people Thanks, Dirk. That's very helpful. Grateful that you brought in your experience there. And that really shows that there's a lot of factors and nuance at play here. So now that we discuss the flat organization in the sense of the bossless organization, what about the flat organization as in the more efficient or streamlined organization? Can you tell us a bit more about that here? Yeah. And, and Christian, I think that's a kind of flat organization that is much more commonly uh, talked about today when the idea uh, come up. So, so here's a company that does not want to do away with hierarchy altogether. You still have a top down, you still have managers in charge, and you still have layers of management, but you just have fewer of them. So, so you have fewer layers, uh, fewer bosses. And as a result of that, you will have more people reporting into a, a particular boss. And that's something uh, that's known as increasing the span of control uh, in, in, in the company. And advocates of this type of delayering uh, will also emphasize that fewer bosses will lead to more empowerment because they are no longer enough managers to control every last little detail. And that's a good thing. And, and at least that's, that, that's a theory and the idea. Uh, behind it. So, Dirk, that's helpful. But what do you mean by that's the theory? Well, uh, Christian, the, the bosses organizations we discussed earlier is often driven by a strong philosophical motivation of giving the power to the employees, uh, creating a corporate democracy of sorts and and so on. But but again, when it comes to flattening the organization in a more traditional sense, the primary motivation will often be that it's just more cost efficient to work with fewer layers, that you eliminate bureaucracy and, and so on. But, but then the culture of the organization can still be uh, quite top down, can still be quite hierarchically hierarchical. And, and many companies do have the intent of being more participatory or more inclusive. But then in practice, it's not always uh, the case. There are flatter organizations, if we call them that, with a strong sense of uh, command and, and control. I see, Dirk, that makes a lot of sense. So the flatter the organization is, the more efficient it should be. There are fewer layers separating the top from the bottom and people have more responsibility. 
So my question is, what is not to like about this? Why doesn't everyone flatten their organization? Yeah, um, Christian, well, first of, all, first of all, many companies are saying that they are flattening, and it is for all the reasons they discussed. But then again, who would say that they like hierarchy, that they like bureaucracy, and that they like an overbearing boss? Uh, but then, of course, there is the context of the industry, the the geographical culture, and so on. And and then we find that one size rarely uh, fits fits all. I see what you're saying there, Dirk. But let's dig in a bit. Besides the context, is there another but here? Yeah, I think I think I think there is. Okay, fill us in. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I I think that that some of this flattening push can be driven uh, by not really understanding the the value of good management, including and especially good middle management. Some people have this idea that of a, of a mid-level boss is micromanaging, you know, calling too many meetings, spending too much time trying to look God, uh, good in front of their bosses, stifling their employees and and so on. And I'm sure some of them are, but but others do add real real value. Right, Dirk, you're tapping into the perception there, but how do they add some real value? Maybe tell us about that. Yeah, um, there are a lot of valuable things that good managers do, and they're sometimes overlooked because we're so focused on bad management. Mm. And if I can go on on a bit of a tangent here, some people think that managers are are altogether bad, and they want to talk about leaders. They say, you know, managers bad, leaders good. And in my mind, there's a little bit of nonsense going on here, actually. All right, Dirk, we got a hot take incoming. So in what way is there some nonsense here? Yeah, yeah. I think in a sense that there is because there are bad managers and we don't want them. But again, they're also good managers and they do add a lot of values. Good managers translate the big vision into direction for their uh, department. They show you how the job is done. They answer your questions. They help you perform better by coaching or by demanding more performance. They know you can do more and they energize you. They cheer you up uh, when you're having a bad day and they 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 help you. They ask the big bosses and HR to give you uh, a raise. They think about your next uh, career move. They help sort of conflicts with other departments in a constructive manner so that organizational conflict does not fester or even uh, paralyze us. And so the list goes on and on and on. And all of this is good management. And some of this gets lost when we're on a quest to flatten the organization without really understanding, understanding what it takes to get things accomplished with the kind of people you have in your company uh, today. Because as a C-level person, you can be quite far away from the day-to-day reality and what from what it really takes to 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 get to get things done again dirk you're making a lot of sense here but let me just ask are you suggesting that we should stick with a steep hierarchy after all no because i don't think that's that's it and the first thing rather again is to know the difference between good managers and bad managers so maybe instead of flattening the organization to solve a problem um, you should give more responsibility to good managers and replace bad managers so so maybe that's that's the start and so you get better managers and you keep uh, uh, the good ones the, the second one is yes that over time i agree organizations will develop inefficiencies hierarchy does creep in further and further uh, management positions are maybe created for the wrong reasons like someone wants a, a bigger title and you 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 don't want to lose them and 
Um, at, at, at that time, it may have, you know, at the time that may have been a good decision, but there comes a time where you have to take stock and, and simplify. So absolutely, we should from time to time review how we're organized. We should see where we're inefficient. We, we should see where the realities of our market, our customers, of our uh, business dem uh, demand something out, uh, else, and that something else will indeed often be fewer layers. All right, Dirk, it sounds like you're driving home to a conclusion here. So what exactly are you telling us? Well, what I'm telling you, Christian, or what I'm, what I'm advocating here for with, with, with all our listeners is that by all means, have a look at where and how you can delayer, flatten, streamline, or whatever else you, you call it to make your uh, organization more efficient and don't have more people and managers than you really need. I'm all, I'm all for that. And I'm sure you will find opportunities to do so. But then also, please, please have a look at your culture and realize how that a more collaborative culture will make it easier to flatten uh, the organization. So you have to ask yourself whether you have the people who are good collaborators, whether you're ready to flatten, uh, so, so to speak. And then please don't forget about the benefits of good management and do not leave people at their own devices in the name of organizational flatness. Rather, insist on good management and see how and where it adds value. Because if you don't, if you flatten too much with people who are not ready for it, you will see that informal power structures will creep in instead. And now you have the people with the loudest voice, the biggest ego, the highest salary, the savviest politics, or whatever it is, take over and fill that management vacuum and and now you have created uh, a new a new problem for yourself and and that is actually very nicely described in the the, the Bartleby column that I uh, I mentioned earlier there is always you know things are never as easy uh, as they as they look on 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 the surface Dirk very clear very helpful and that sounds great to me but as I said we were driving home to a conclusion here so Dirk thank you very much let me just take a moment to summarize what we've been talking about today so in this conversation, we discussed the virtues and drawbacks of flattening organizations. This in turn led to a discussion of layers of management, spans of control, and collaborative versus hierarchical structures, and even organizational happiness, if such a thing even exists. The first lesson I think we learned is that a flattened hierarchy or even a bossless organization may very well increase engagement and even performance, but that isn't the full story. Depending on your people, industry, and broader cultures, different structures will offer unique advantages or disadvantages. There is no one-size-fits-all or a surefire way to approach company structure. And even within different organizational categories, there could be lots of variety and degrees of empowerment or control. This, in turn, led us to a second discussion, and we learned that when it comes to reflecting on structure and organizational layers, we should not just look at the organizational chart, but also recognize that the incredible difference that good management can make. While flattening an organization may make a lot of sense in the face of it, this is not the whole story again. Insisting on good management and replacing bad managers with good managers and then in turn giving those good managers more responsibility may also create a lot of value, which could be lost when we're engaged in too much flattening. While we, of course, never want to overdo it, a layered hierarchy as such isn't always a bad thing. 
In fact, sometimes it could be exactly what you need, assuming you have the right people and especially the right managers in the right positions. Dirk, how does that sound? Anything you want to add here? Well, I think, Christian, you summarized it very well. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. No, Dirk, thank you. Thank you for your time and sharing your experience. We always appreciate that. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in again to the Gemoir Leadership Podcast. We love sharing these conversations with you. And I'll just briefly mention that we uh, referenced a number of articles and different conversations. So I encourage you, if you're interested in the show notes down below, we'll have links to several of those. Please continue the reading and continue the conversation. If you have any questions or feedback or suggestions, let us know. Send us an email. We'd love to include you in this conversation. But as always, we hope you enjoyed and we look forward to being with you next time in a couple of weeks on the Gemoir Leadership Podcast. Until then, take care. Bye.